Hello, one and all, and welcome to the podcast they call The Fantastical with myself, Steve Nussbaum, in the podcast where I invite my friends to come on, collate their fancy festivals, tell me all about their musical taste and experiences, and collate their festivals, which I've christened Fantastical. So this episode is episode number 27. A massive thank you to my previous guest on episode 26, the wonderful Australian curly-haired legend who was Lee Clancy. I had a great time recording that one, but I think I'm going to have an amazing time recording this one. This one's another face-to-face, again, in the famous H&V meeting room. It is the Kate Bush room, and it's someone who I'm so happy to have on the podcast, and I don't use the word H&V legend lightly, but I am going to use it for this one, for a man well worthy of the praise. It's my favourite Norwich City fan, one of my favourite pre-brewers. Norwich City fan. (laughs) Basically, yeah. Uh, the christened space guru, and he has a badge to prove it. <laughs> it's the one and only. It's Mr. Mike Grant. Hello, how are you? I'm delighted. I'm so happy you're here. You're one of the uh, free H and V essential people on my list that I needed to get on the podcast. Have you had the other two? No, I'm not going to say who they are. Oh, okay. But one is planned uh, for December, yeah. and one who we just spoke to outside doesn't want to do it yeah oh him oh him <laughs> but i'm delighted you're here mate it's been a, a crazy six months just what's it been like for you um <clears throat> well it gave me the time to put all my records on discogs nice. so now i've got a record of all my uh final cds um beforehand i used to buy things get home and then go oh, damn i've got it already <laughs> so uh that, that was good but um yeah, it was it was a bit weird. I mean, initially I hated it, and then I kind of got used to it. Actually, not doing anything and getting some money for it—it's quite nice, really. It's not bad, is it? But um, I think the second one's a bit different. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit. My missus, she's been off since March, so she's not. She's literally not had any work since March, and uh, her company's looked after her really well in terms of cash. But it's just—it's just missing friends. Yeah, I'm missing gigs, obviously. You know, I think it's going to be like the Roaring Twenties when this finishes, though. We're all going to go out and party for about four years. <laughs> I hope so, every yeah. night as well. And I'm going to be at the front of it, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you absolutely will yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. Um, so most people listening to this podcast will know you, um, but just in case people don't and don't know who Mike Grant is, <laughs> tell us about who, who is Mike Grant. Um... I was born in Aberdeen, moved to Norwich when I was eight, uh, obviously with my parents. Yeah, um, that's <laughs> Grew up in Norwich, uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do, and then joined HMV in 1981. Uh, in, HMV was in Topshop then. Wow. Which I loved, because there was a lot of ladies in Topshop. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, d- I joined in 1981, uh, and then I ended up sort of, they seemed to like me, and I ended up moving around, I went to Brighton to work, Gloucester, Cardiff, Swansea, Bath, uh, Croydon. So next year's my 40th year. Wow. Yeah, so I think they're going to give me a gold watch and show me where the door is. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I've just, that, that, yeah, I've been working for HME 39, 40. 39 years at the moment, 40 next year. And, um, yeah, music is my one, well, football, depending on how Norwich do. Yeah. <laughs> if Norwich are well, it's up there. But um, the one constant with me is music. Always listen to music, listen to music every day. Um, always buying albums. I mean, the amount of albums I bought in lockdown was stupid. Um, but, yeah, it's my, my key passion, really. Yeah, I know that. And from sitting <laughs> kind of close to you in the office, yeah. you listen to a very varied taste of music, don't you? So it's not kind yeah. of one genre for you. You're of quite a varied soul. Well, I, th- I think when I when I first joined Urchin and I'll get into a bit more details, details, I was very into sort of like the punk thing, and punk kind of opened it all up for me, and I loved it. Um, but then when you start working in a record shop, yeah. you, know, you, you kind of lose that... I was very, if the enemy liked it, I liked it. And if, you know, if the enemy didn't like it, I didn't like it. Which I look back now and I think, that's just, that's really stupid. 
And like Colin, my good friend Colin Dunlop's always gone on, oh, you missed all these great bands. And I probably did. But now, I just, you know, if I like it, I like it. I don't worry what people say, but I used to follow kind of like writers like Charles or Murray, Nick Kent, and if they liked stuff and the enemy, I liked it. If they didn't like stuff, then I didn't like it. So it was very, yeah. So working in a record shop, you just kind of like start your whole, what you listen to just expands massively. Yeah, it does. I you remember precious. starting <laughs> as an 18 year old indie kid and then working on the soul and dance floor. Mm. And then bands like Groove Armada, Dark yeah. Punk when they're coming through, Macy yeah, Gray, amazing. Lauren Hill, yeah. opened up my 18 year old yeah. mind and Primal Screen, Screaming Delica was another one that, you know, I got in through, through that. So is there anything at the moment that you're currently listening to? Well, that can be an old album or a new album, something that's... I'm, I'm, well, I'm going through the Prince box set. So I bought the Prince box. It's a sign of times. It's one of my favourite albums of all time. And like 13 albums. And the outtakes. There's stuff in there that's just... You can't believe it's outtakes. Mm. And it's just... It's him at his prime. He's got rid of the revolution. Opening up all kind of, you know, possibilities of what he could do. So I'm lis- listening to that. Uh, and trying to go through that it's just so much music to take on board um, Laura Marlin um, which I really like that's kind of a Sunday yeah Sunday play you know put that on get the papers feet up <laughs> um, yeah so I mean uh, it's James Dean Bradfield um, oh the new solo one I, I really like that and I think he's he's such an underrated guitarist um, and I I think he's you know I, I, I love him He's really good. So there's that, that that's kind of stuff I'm listening to and a lot of old stuff because like I said when I was going you know, in lockdown just pulling stuff out and going, Oh, I haven't heard that for ages. You know, the other day I was listening to Lyndon Quasi Johnson. Oh well yeah. So Forces of Victory. And it's just a great you know, you, you listen to that and it's you know, one of the great British reggae albums of all time. So it's it's just mixing new stuff and old stuff. So yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. So let me take you back. To, I won't name the year because I don't know if I'll get my year right. But let me take you back many a year then. Yeah. <laughs> young Mike Grant is in Norwich, a couple of quid in his pocket, yeah. probably trying to impress a young lady or someone. <laughs> Makes his first trip to a record store. What are your recollections of the first single or album that, that you bought? Well, I <laughs> my first single I bought was when I was nine. Nine? Oh, that's not bad. New seekers, I want to teach the world. Oh. <laughs> That's it's brilliant. Not, it's not. It's really not. <laughs> <laughs> Writing that one down. I'm like, yeah, it's. Um, I had to look it up because I, I I knew boy, but I didn't know that much about. It. But it was a it was a jingle about a coke, wasn't it? I mm. want to buy the world a coke. Yeah, and obviously Shaker Maker by Oasis nicked it a couple of years later. Yeah. Well, not not a long time after. But that is genuinely the first single, and then. But after that, you get to the punk era, and that's when there's really great singles. You know, like Pretty Vacant, um, sort of Strangler singles, just, just, just must-have singles. Mm. You know, the, the jam had that whole... I mean, I remember at one time, when I was, what, 1981, when they reissued them, they had some, like, 15, 16 in the top 40. Right. But, like, I, kind of the singles are, like, a really important sort of uh, format for me and kind of got me... You know, I, didn't, I, I wasn't really into albums initially. Because, um, like, you, you'd listen to John Peel, you know, you'd be like, you got a recorder mm. under the bed, you know, trying to pretend <laughs> you were asleep before you went to school. And, like, that's all you could really afford. And, like, I used to, they used to get dinner money. And I, <laughs> I used to keep the dinner money, and they used to get backs in Norwich. And, like, big high counter. And I remember William backs, you know, and I'd go up with a single, and you go, no, you don't want to buy that, you want to buy this. And I'd end up coming out with that single. <laughs> And it was like, but I, I kind of loved that, you know, it was kind of a mus- musical education and like, I always wanted to work in record shops because they were quite intimidating. Mm. I mean, that whole, I know it's a cliche and everybody's gone on yeah. about it, but they were, they were real, cli- you know, you, you used to wear the wrong things and like, and backs just used to laugh at you. You know, what, what are you wearing that for? Don't come in here with that. You know, and you'd be <laughs> like, sorry. But I kind of, yeah, yeah, Pete and backs and like, I'm still mates with now. Who works for Shell Shock, so like that the, the singles thing. Even though it was that, I mean, to me it was it was kind of all those punk singles and um, ambition by Subway Sect and all these kind of one-off singles. I absolutely love. So that's 
but my first, first first foray into it was appalling. Sorry. Mate, don't worry about that. <laughs> the, the, uh, the Seekers are actually one of a, an early Fantastical lineup. They're actually someone's Midway Madness oh. actor. It's Andy Gilson, back in episode four. Um, it's nothing to be ashamed of. <laughs> nothing to be ashamed of on this podcast, Mr. Grant. No problem. So this podcast is all about, obviously, you collating your fantasy festival knowing you well knowing how much you like a good gig which we'll come on yeah. to and how much you like a good festival you're obviously a big festival goer or were a big festival yeah. goer I mean a lot of this comes down to and I'm going to give a shout out to my mate Jason who used to work he used yeah. to do all the gigs so um, he, he always says that when I die it's going to say on my uh, tombstone here lies Mike Grant plus one <laughs> and I always used to be his plus one and like we, we used to go to so many so many venues um, uh, festivals so I mean we started going to like Leeds and he always used to get tickets for Leeds so we never went to Reading we always went to Leeds um, then like probably my favourite festival which Tea in the Park so we had numerous Tea in the Park the thing with Tea in the Park is we used to get um, we used to get all, all area passes so you, you'd literally camp with like the bands and the road crew You'd, you wouldn't have to walk, you wouldn't have to like kind of get through all the crowds. You just walk around the outside and then come come underneath the stage. And it Amazing. was like, it was just the best thing, you know, and you'd be like hobnobbing with people. And then there was, they used to put on like, when everybody used to go back to the campsites, they'd have like DJs playing at like 4 a.m. And you'd be, you'd just be there, you know, listening to, it's it just, just amazing, just the best time. Because the minute you're in that door, I just forgot about everything. Yeah. It was just three days. We don't have to worry about work, anything. Just, just it was purely just go and enjoy yourself. And like dancing the Kaylee tent. I pulled my hamstring in the Kaylee tent. <laughs> <laughs> but all that, yeah. So I loved that. And I, we used to do tea in the park. There was a week. We used to take a week off. We do tea in the park one weekend, which was mental because the Scots are mental. Yeah, and then you imagine. used to like drive down the latitude. It was all like they'd have a go if you dropped a bit of litter, you know, and it was like too different. <laughs> so you, you kind of go out latitude for a bit of a rest. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I love them. And then like later on, I've been going uh, not alive in Lisbon, so kind of with holidays. And the good thing about that is they start at like six six p.m., finish at six in the morning. Yeah, because it's just hot. But yeah, been at Glastonbury a couple of times. Probably not my favourite festival. I think two in the park one. But also download. I mean, what, what I love about download is you have people that have, you know, like, Jesus is a scene and all this kind of thing and, like, really fancy T-shirts and then the nicest people you've ever met. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello, mate, can I help you with your tent? I mean, it's like, it's bizarre, you know what I mean? They're all bank managers called Nigel, aren't they, really? <laughs> but I love download. I think download, you know, just a friendly, really good festival. Yeah, I've only been once. I went to that Legends Day like a couple of years ago. It was like Leopard, ZZ yeah. Top, White Snake, Dream Theater, that? Journey. Yeah, it was that? That was a great yeah, day. Yeah. That was a great day. A really nice atmosphere that was. Yeah. So you've obviously been to your fair share of festivals. Yeah. I also imagine you've been to some pretty classic gigs and seen some amazing artists in your time. What What for you stand stands out? I think probably my favourite gig ever is uh, Prince Love Sexy in the round. Just, just because it completely and utterly blew away any preconceptions out about what a gig should be. So up to that point, a gig is like, you know, it's a band, it's sat there, singer up front, you know, it's, it was all, yeah. this was in the round. Um, in basketball nets, he came on in a car. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> the stage was flat before he came on and then everything just appeared from like the stage uh the dancing he was doing it was just it, it just completely and utterly blew my mind it was uh, i heard i heard pete was on had one of your uh, things said he didn't he didn't really rate yeah that's but, right he didn't rate him yeah, yeah. I, I was signing things that <laughs> then but um yeah that that kind of stands out and him doing like the cross off sign of times right in front of me and like, you know, with the hairs on the back of your neck just mm -hmm. kind of like there's other gigs as well I mean remember we were, I was talking to a friend of mine we went to see uh, The Clash at the Lyceum it was 1981 
and uh, my glasses flew off and got smashed. So I literally had to hold up, up to see that, like kind of poking in the thing, and like half the glasses missing. But I'd completely forgotten about that. But um, that was sort of Sunday and Easter time, and like just, yeah, great, great gigs. Um, but I suspect there's been so many, you know what I mean? It's like craft work here. So they played in the turbine hall, of course. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I made The Guardian because I found out that they were selling tickets for it. And I was in Norwich. I think I'd been to see her, seen the football. So I made, and I was on holiday, and I made a conscious effort to come down here. And so I got a train all the way down, <laughs> queued up at the box office, said to the guy, yeah, you know, do you think I'll get to it? Yeah, not a problem, not a problem. Got to the front, and the guy in front of me was the last one who got a ticket. That's a true story. Wow. Two and a half hours, like we were standing there. I was like, absolutely furious. <laughs> and then this journalist asked me, can I have a word? Yeah, you never. <laughs> and then, like, next thing, I, I was in the garden. My God, complains about it. But luckily, we got, uh, we, I kind of hung around the box office when they were playing, and I got, got tickets to the computer. Well done. So that was amazing because it was it was kind of the sound was just superb, mm. and um, in three D you got to see it properly inside. I think that's why I won't go and see Crawford uh, Festival because it has to be properly indoor yeah. with that. Yeah. So. so those are some classic gigs that Mr. Grant has been to. So just a reminder tonight or today he will be collating his fantasy festival. So Mike gets to choose five acts, one of who. We must play one of their studio albums in full, plus an encore, which can be any song at the end of his fantasy festival, which all of his five acts can perform together at the end of his fantastical. So it's very simple. Five acts take five time slots. At the top of the podcast, I mentioned Lee Clancy. He was episode number 26. He collected his Hijil Fest, uh, which is a funny word if you're part of a certain <laughs> friendship group. So he had Meatwave in his opening slot. They were a really good band, actually. Quite like okay. grungy, freshy, punky yeah. Australian band. They were really good. They were followed in a super second slot by Violent Soho, who played their album Hungry Ghost in full. That is a fantastic album. I've been listening to that non-stop for the last week. Again, really good. Uh, that were, They were followed in the Midway Masters slot by All Them Witches. I hadn't heard of any of these bands either. <laughs> yeah, and he's I'm just writing them down. <laughs> they were fantastic. And in for his pre-headline act, a more established band, who you may have heard of, ACDC, and a fantastic band. New album coming out very soon, followed by the Foo Fighters, who took Lee's headline slot. And in the end, for the encore, they played LCD Sound System, All My Friends. Wow. So a great lineup there. Thank you to Lee. Thanks to everyone who's listened to that. So very simple. Five acts from any genre, any era, and they can play any... Song. Yeah. I have five names listed for you. I will go through them <laughs> at the end to see if I've got any. I normally get about one out of five, two at top. Let's see how I get on today. So a very important question first up. It says the whole thing for your fantasy festival, Mr. Yeah. What What are you naming your fantasy festival? So initially, I was going to call it Mint Tea in the Park. See what I did? Very good. Um, and every festival needs like you know a bit of sponsorship, so it's going to be Twinings. But <laughs> I thought that would just be stupid. And um, and obviously the reason for Minty, because obviously my nickname that Paul V gave to me like years and years ago. But I went for Gates of the West. Gates of the West. And the reason I went for Gates of the West, it's uh, a song off the Cost of Living EP by The Clash. And Mick Jones wrote it um, just about the emotional thrill he had arriving in New York City. So actually coming from London, young musician, and then he arrives at New York City and it's just this thrill of being there. So I thought I'd call it Gates of the West because obviously people would be thrilled to be queuing up to come in. It's my festival. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. I like it. A nice nod to The Clash. Yeah. They never played it live, by the way. Oh, really? And when, Str- uh, when Stromer was asked why, he said it was a bit complicated. Oh, okay. <laughs> he couldn't play it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, super. Genius. Yeah. Genius. So Gates of the West yeah. is your fantastical title. You can take us anywhere. You can take us to Carroll Road. You can take us back to Aberdeen. Right. You can take us to Tea in the Park. You can take yeah. us to New York. You can what? take us anywhere you like, my friend. So I thought about Carroll Road, but we need the uh, pitch to be silky and like, you know, for our brand of football. So it's not going there. Not going there. <laughs> um, 
So actually, it's a nod to, uh, again, we were talking about, I was thinking about this, and my favourite festivals and the ones that I probably enjoyed the most was uh, Tea in the Park. So we're going to go to a disused airfield in Balado, King Rossshire, which was the... the kind of when, when Tea in the Park was winning awards and everything, that's, that's the venue it was. And it switched a few years ago, and then obviously it's no longer, which is really sad. Yeah, shame that, yeah. But um, I just, yeah, that, that, that for me is, so that's, that's where I'm going to go. We're going to go there. And we're going to, uh, even though there's seemingly a gas pipe underneath that could explode at any time, we'll just take our chances. Yeah, what a way to go. Could, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Couldn't it be any worse than 2020 already, yeah. mate, could it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So we have Gates of the West taking place in the disused airfield of King Washire. So before we get naming and talking about your five acts and I know it's very hard to get all acts down to five obviously some acts horrendous that's the whole point of the fantastical <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of acts I haven't seen a brief list that you've just flashed me just before we started recording it looked like there's quite a few acts on there any acts who you want to mention who for one reason or another just haven't made your five so I really Kate Bush I love Kate Bush um Went to see her twice on the last tour. Oh, that was the residency yeah. at the Apollo, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We, um, I mean, the first time I saw it, I was kind of underwhelmed. I think I'd kind of built it up, built it up yeah. so much. But then the second time, when she did the second half of uh, Hounds of Love, and that whole kind of like drowning and dream sequence and stuff, and at the end, you know, I've got my friends and all, it actually reduced me to tears. And it, it it was magnificent. It, it was brilliant. So Kate Bush, I've I've loved the kick inside for like years and years and years. Probably didn't like it when it first came out, because again, it probably wasn't you know yeah. the thing you did. Yeah. But um, I I really I love kick inside. Unfortunately, it didn't do a lot of that because it's kind of vocal range has changed. But def- definitely Kate Bush, uh, Stones. Oh, yeah. So the, the Stone, I mean, like last year, I thought the Stones were brilliant. And I just, so many people write them off. And yeah, okay, they're not as great as they probably were, like, you know, in the 60s, 70s. But it was a band really enjoying themselves. And like, I love that Blues Covers album they did. Um, and they just sounded, they sounded great. Um, got a couple of others, sorry. Mate, don't right? apologise. Don't apologise. Um, so, um, you're talking about first first albums and stuff yeah. Raxnall Vitikus was the first album that I actually bought and um, from Woolworths in Norwich and nice. like, I still love it now still yeah. think it sounds great um, some of the sentiments may be a bit too sexist for some people <laughs> but I just think that was over the time yeah I want to be Jean-Jacques Bernal but unfortunately he's good looking and tall and I'm quite short <laughs> um, but I mean he was you know he's kind of intimidating there was always like him and Paul Simmon I always wanted to look like people yeah um, so the Stranglers the Jam all mod cons sort of period Jam I love them as you say Metallica I think they were a great live act and again I'm on late to Metallica so I like going through all this stuff so yeah there's, there's just so many bands I, could, I would have put on it you know you'd have to run it for about a month I think if yeah. you'd have been but yeah, <laughs> but you can only have five. That is the beauty of of the fan. Changed it so many times. <laughs> so it's two <laughs> o'clock then. Gates of the West sold out instantly. You're backstage. The ungone off bomb that's under the disused airfield, thankfully, hasn't gone off yet. Uh, although it might do at the end. Who knows what's yeah. going to happen in that one? <laughs> yeah. It's two o'clock. It's time for your opening act. So, Mikey G, who is opening your Gates of the West Fantasy Festival. Well, if there's any band that's going to set that pipe off, right, it's going to be this band, Ramstein. Oh, Ramstein. So you're fairly new to Ramstein, right? Well, not fairly new, well, but it's I'd, kind of been a, a... I'd seen them at Download, but I think I'd just been in kind of... Well, I was drunk, I think. And just like, <laughs> yeah, they're quite good, but I didn't really pay much attention. And then I, I really loved the last album. And I saw the... Um, you know, there's Deutschland, they released that single, which is just monumental. And then I saw the video that comes out, it's this nine minute, ten minute, like, film. 
And it's just, it's astounding. It was like, I've got to go and see, you know, this is just... just... And they don't, they don't play here that often. Mm. Um, but they play Milton Keynes. And I can get a ticket. And then, uh, but Jill got me a ticket from Christmas. You know you've got to keep it here. Oh, man, yeah. I tell you. Just, just <laughs> um, and then, you know, the, the single, I think, Radio, Radio. I used to play in it yeah, all, yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah, you did. Remember? Yeah, absolutely. And I would be at the end of Friday and it'd be... <laughs> and everybody you know and I just they, they were immense they were so good and I just think if you're going to go to a, if you're going to have a festival bands need to play you know if they're playing with 30,000 people they need, they, it need you need to kick it off and I think they, they'd be brilliant at kicking off and like as a show it's just it's just amazing I mean, it's a good, great great show um, and I mean even for the lyrics all in German I don't really care I mean I think it's kind of a you know, yeah, and they've got a song about cannibalism, of which they were sued by the guy that was actually eating people, and like as part of the show, the keyboard player gets like put in a giant cauldron, and the lead singer like basically takes a flamethrower to. Him. I mean, what, what you know, you can't be that. And they end the show like with him riding on a giant penis. Sorry, I mean like kind of spraying the crowd. I mean like. <laughs> Unbelievable. What more do you want? I mean, <laughs> just a brilliant, brilliant band. They got and um, they got some real tunes in there, and uh, like things like Links Two, Three, Four, which everybody thought they were kind of like they, they came from East Germany, and um, obviously the war came down and everybody thought they were Nazis. So like Links Two, Three, Four, which is kind of like a militaristic song, because all my heart leans to the left, which is kind of like you know. Um, no, we're not Nazis. We're, we're left leaning just because we act like them. It's yeah, not, of course. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, I, don't know. I just, I can't. I was gutted when they postponed the comedy show because I'm going to that. But I've got that to look forward to next year, hopefully. hopefully. If we're still here. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> so Ramstein make their fantastical debut and they will open Mike's Fantasy Festival. They'll get to play for an hour from two till three o'clock. They will absolutely smash that within an hour. Songs. Basically, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. then we'll take a breath, we'll get over a Ramstein because that will take some getting over, and that will lead us to time for your super second slot. And there'll be another act who play for an hour. So, Mike, who's going to take up your, your super second slot? Craftwork. Oh, Craftwork, very nice. So, you briefly mentioned Craftwork at the beginning, another band who are making their fantastical debut. So, you also mentioned about wanting to see them, um, but what, why, why Craftwork? Why do they make your fantasy festival? Um, I t- I t- I think if you look, like I said, I was massively in the sort of the whole punk scene and everything. And then you look at the albums that Craftwork did from 77, 78, on the way 81 when I joined HME. So you've got Transurban Express, Man Machine, Computer World, three absolute classic albums. Um, they've influenced probably most dance yeah. acts, but also American house music. Um, and just, just what I love about them is that you go and see them and everybody thinks they're this futuristic band but all their graphics are like from the 50s and right. I you know and, and like the, the idea I love the idea that they um, they were going to they were going to get robots and they were going to send them out and they were going to so they could do like six or seven gigs at the same time but they get paid six or seven times I mean that's genius I mean it's like <laughs> it never really worked out yeah like yeah but all that kind of like, and I was speaking to once to, I've got, I've got to, I went, we went to see him in Dublin. So I've been to Germany to see him, Dublin to see him. They're, like they're German, aren't they? Yeah. So your first two acts are German, right? <laughs> so you have it in Germany. You should be going to yeah. Munich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should be moving there. Um, and like, I went to see him and we were staying in a hotel, I forget the name of it now. Anyway, staying in a hotel in Dublin. And I got speaking to a guy from Solwax, right? So, and I got speaking to him about how, well, you know, I'd seen this video about him and he was a bit of a boy with the ladies and all this. And he said, oh, what's brought you? He said, oh, I really like Craftwork. I really wish I could, you know, meet him. And he went, well, turn around, I'll introduce you. So I spent an hour in a hotel bar speaking to, like, Craftwork. No way. Yeah, it was amazing. It was just the best thing. My mate had to pull me off at them in the end, just said, leave them alone. Right, they've had enough of you now. But uh, when they left, they actually bowed to me in the bar. Good night. 
and my belt. I was like, oh, oh man. Jesus Christ. And I, um, I think my first thing was, oh, what, how, how did you enjoy the gig? And I like, too boomy. <laughs> Sorry, what? It's too boomy. But I've just, I just love them. I, I still love them now. I think they're so simplistic, mm-hmm. but they're just, they're just a brilliant band. And like, they write, they can write a tune. And the great thing about Craftwork is that they had all these ideas, but I think now that technology is getting better, their ideas are going to get better. Yeah. So they had these ideas in the, you know, the 70s where they just couldn't match them up. The technology wasn't there, but the technology now is. So they sound better than they've ever sounded. You know, and like, I think the last, time, the last time they did the Tour de France, where uh, they sent the fax to EMI, saying, we've got this album. If you want it, ring us on this time. I asked them then. And the reason being is they don't like any noise pollution in the studio, so their phone doesn't ring. So they basically sent a fax to EMI going, right, you need to ring us, but ring us at this time. And then at that time and that day, they went over and picked it up. So he might really? <laughs> so wow. to ring him at that time. I love stuff like that, you know. And I also, I also think Crawford are a great example of less is more. Yeah. Some people just go, you know, they're releasing things every two bloody minutes, which is kind of a bit of a problem Prince got into the end, yeah. you know, when he was just, you know, he, he, no, no matter. I'd like him to be a little bit more prolific, but <laughs> yeah. less is definitely more than so I love I, I love Crawford and like let's say the sound that um, you know the last time I saw them was just amazing, just brilliant. Brilliant. So Craftwork make their fantastical debut. Yeah. That, I love that story. That's a great story about you meeting Craftwork. That's fantastic. Oh, so, man, I tell you. <laughs> brilliant. So they make their fantastical debut. They'll play for an hour, taking Mike's super second slot, which leads us on nicely to the midway master's slot. So this act, they're going to get another hour. They will be the middle act in Mike's Fantasy Festival. So, Mr. Grant, who is taking up your Midway Madness slot? Clash. Clash. And the Clash are going to do one album. It's an hour and five minutes long, but I thought you'd give me the five minutes. You can have the five minutes, my friend. And they're going to do London Calling. Do you know what? This is the third episode, London Calling. It has been the album. Yeah, absolutely. You'll have to put a bang on it soon. (laughs) I will actually. I've sort of people picking London Calling. <laughs> so you've obviously mentioned punk. You obviously mentioned seeing the Clash when we spoke about your gigs. And I know from you that the Clash are a mighty influential band. Yeah. You know. So why? What did the Clash mean to you? And what? And what? Um. Well, one like I said, the Clash turn up. Yeah, the first album was brilliant. Great example of like, you know, a kind of punk album. Sight, you know, just great tunes. Um, nothing over like you know three minutes just bam 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 but what I love about them is they just got they developed you know they they, they got better and better a lot of people don't like the second album because it's Sandy Perlman and it's a bit too like but it's got great tune on it stay free and you know one of my greats got um class songs but I think with London Calling they'd gone to the States to tour in 1979 and all the acts that they taught, they supported. I've got a list. They got Bo Diddley, Sam and Dave, Lee Dorsey, Screaming Jay Hawkins, Joe Ely, The Cramps, and they're all this kind of great. You know that that all those all those people's like rock and pop, rock and roll, rockabilly, yeah. ska, you know reggae. So when they come to do London Calling, all those influences, all those influences are, still over are in there. So you've got an album there that's definitely all clash. But it's got all those different influences. And I think all the great bands make you want to go and listen to the people that influenced them. Mm. So you end up, you know, buying blues albums that you never would have done. And that's, you know, that's the, that's why I love the album. I think, you know, it's just a, they just look the part. I mean, for me, if you go, you can, you got, I love the undertones. The undertones used to like, you know, support me quite a bit. Yeah. But the undertones looked like me. I had a snorkel car. I wanted to look like Paul <laughs> Simon. So you've yeah. always got, you know, they were just that. They looked like a proper band. Yeah. Around that time, I love the stories around all that, you know, when they did the London Calling video in the rain. So you've got, the, you've got uh, Baker and Green, who were like the manager and they're kind of sort of roadie. And they'd spent all day and they'd put all this stuff up and the class turn up after being in the pub. 
do like, you know, the old shooting the thing, then bugger off. So the turtle just chucked off the gear into the river. Because <laughs> we're like, sod them, if they're not going to help us. We're like, but I like, yeah, London Coast, it's just a great album. And a lot of the, my favourite, my, the tunes that I love in it change all the time, you mm. know what I mean? Um, but yeah, just a brilliant album. And I've got um, friends of mine gave me for my 50th, they got a one of one Penny Smith photograph from that reel, from the album cover. Yeah. So hanging in my front room, I have a Penny Smith photograph of like from that reel. And it's of him just about to like, you know. Yeah, 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 But yeah. at the back you can see Joe Strummer doing that. Oh, you know, really? It's, it's slightly different. So if I ever want, I'll never get rid of it. Yeah. But if I ever want to, I have to ring Penny Smith and I have to like, but it's just, so yeah, it's, for many reasons, it's like, and I'm very close to my Brilliant, brilliant. So The Clash, I think this is their third, maybe even their fourth Fantastical appearance. They're now tied with Queen, I know that much, but London Calling is definitely the leading album so far in fantasy festivals. So The Clash, take your Midway Masters slot. They will play London Calling, they will go just over, but we'll allow that because they're a fantastic band and a fantastic album. So that will lead us on nicely into half past six. So now you're going to have a pre-headline act. They're going to get a bit longer to play an hour and a half. So three acts in, all very good, two acts left. So who's taking up your pre-headline act? Prince. Prince. Like it. Finally, Prince gets named (laughs) on a fantastic... I've talked about Prince quite a bit on the podcast because he never has been mentioned. There's people like the Beatles, Bowie... Stones, who I thought would be mentioned a lot more, but Prince has never actually been selected for a fantastical until now. I just think life is just, just was amazing. I mean, they, they got to a point where I wasn't that bothered about his albums that, you know, he gave an album away with, was it a male Oh, or yeah, yeah. And it's like guitar and like, they just became kind of, you know, throwaway things really. But if he played live, it was like I had to go and see him. That's one of my big regrets, not, he played like a double header at the Roundhouse in Camden. And I remember oh, tickets going on sale. I know you got tickets and I had them in my basket for both. like the early show. And I just released them. I thought, oh, it's half past five. It's going to be a, a, a difficult way to get across London. Just, we, we, we went to the first one, came out, joined the queue. And went Straight the back one. in. And like he did, it was obviously with a girl, you know, the three-eyed. And just, just brilliant. Again, just fantastic. Um, I, I loved all the... You know, like his dancing and the splits and all this, which unfortunately ended up with him having all those problems mm. with his like, you know, his hip and everything, which meant he ended up, you know, screwing up his medicine. Um, but I, I, I remember going to see him in Hot Farm, and I was with uh, again, a friend of mine, Nick, just very opinionated about these things. Oh, I hate Prince's rubbish. And on that day, he came in, and the sound was dreadful, and he did a 40 minute sound check in front of the crowd. And even at the end of the sound check, everybody was like, dance. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I just remember speaking to oh, it's all right, Nidge. And then like, half an hour, like, yeah, he's, yeah he, he can play, yeah, yeah. By the end of the night, it's like, he's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like, he, he's just seen, he's probably the only person I, I would queue up to two, three in the morning, go after shows and all that. So I saw him in a place called Bagley's Barn in uh, King's Cross. You know, and he didn't come on till about three, four in the morning. Wow. But you kind of, you, you know, you're packed in a sweaty club. But it's like, it's just worth it to like hear him noodling for like two, three. Yeah. I just, genius. And um, yeah, I, I, I think. Any particular era you want him to I, play from or you just have to I'd love him set. to do all the sonic times stuff. Um, we went to Paris to see him. Actually, went to see Springsteen in um, at Wembley. And then I caught in the in the arena, then I caught a bus to Paris to see Prince. That was one weekend. Wow. But um yeah, it'd definitely be a sign of the times. Um I quite like Love Sexy. Um that that kind of period. I'm not I'm not I'm not a huge fan I, I really like Purple Rain, but it's not an album I play that often. Right. It's definitely the sign of times period where I just think his creativity was like, you know went wild and the amount of times I've seen it I've seen him hump a microphone for 20 minutes 
and then kind Amazing. of get up and go, you know, if you take that seriously, you're a bigger fool than me, you know. You see all these journalists yeah, 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 yeah. But like, just, yeah, and, and amazing, amazing life. So, Pete, you're wrong. <laughs> so, an icon, a musical icon <laughs> finally makes his fantastical debut as Prince, only gets an hour and a half. I'm sure he'll literally cram as many hits in uh, as he can. So, he'll play for an hour and a half. One act left in. So, this act is going to be your headline act. They're going to headline your fantasy festival. They're going to get two and a half hours. I've got one name left on my list. Who I think it could be, but I have no idea. In all honesty, little me. <laughs> so, Mike, who's going to headline? Band, by the way, great pop band, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> who's going to headline in Gates of the West? It's got to be Bowie. <laughs> I yes. am predictable. Arms are loved. So it should be Bowie. Only his second Fantastical um, appearance, believe it or not. I thought he'd be involved a lot more. So, why why Bowie for you? So, where's the clash, kind of? I mean, I haven't really talked about sort of politics stuff, but the Clash kind of give me my sort of political leanings and my first kind of the reason I am as who I am kind of is that from the Clash. Whereas Bowie's all about the way you dressed, the way you looked, was acceptable, you know. And like when you're a kid and you're growing up and you're seeing him wearing that, you know, that sort of knitted thing with one leg, you know, <laughs> hey, wow, you know, and looking cool, yeah, looking great. Um, my favourite period, I think, is kind of the, the Berlin. You've been to Berlin, Berlin haven't you? Yeah. yeah. So we, we did a tour. So we went and did a tour of like oh, Hans' studio and where he'd been, and then the kind of Turkish area of Berlin where he used to live and the bar he used to go, all that kind of stuff, which was really good. And um, yeah, found out about the, the gigs he was doing where the, you know, the East German police keeping all the fans behind the wall and you'd be playing you know playing music to them and all that um but i i, I really love the uh, kind of heroes low lodger favorite album's probably station to station so it's kind of getting away from uh los angeles and the whole kind of drug thing um and I, I, a lot of the bands as well he's you know, like he was massively influenced by Kraftwerk mm. and all that. And I mean, when he first went to do the Berlin albums and stuff, he actually went to work with a producer called Connie Plank. And Connie Plank did all the kind of can, um, all the kind of kraut rock bands, Harmonia and all those sort of bands. And he turned out, Bowie turned up at his farmhouse for his studio. But Bowie was at the height of his kind of drug, drug addiction and also he was an alcoholic. And Connie Plank's missus wasn't having it because they had like a ten-year-old. It's like we're not having this play, and that's why I ended up on Hansa. Ah. And then you know the rest is kind of history. So it's not even everybody thinks that Bowie has had this great kind of master plan. I don't think he did. I think he knew what he kind of wanted, but I think he was also quite lucky mm. in some things. And I think in the whole Berlin thing, he was lucky because Hansa wasn't his first choice. But then he gets that great sound because it's. A, huge kind of open studio and stuff so I'm going to get him to play everything from those and if I can have there's going to be an interval bit it's your fantasy festival we can do it every you want it's going to be an interval bit right where he's going to do he's going to bring on a special guest which is going to be Iggy Pop oh I love it and they're going to do the idiot and lust for life stuff which obviously recorded at Hansa Bowie influence Bowie played on them you know and they're, they're very much kind of Bowie Iggy arms I think so they, he's going to do that bit and then he's going to you know at the end we can have a few uh, greatest hits for the for the rest <laughs> amazing so David Bowie takes your headline slot he makes his second fantastical appearance so we'll probably go over the 11 o'clock deadline but who cares the pipe still yeah. hasn't exploded so we're all good <laughs> So we've got one more song to play. So Ramstein are going to come back out alongside Kraftwerk, The Clash, Prince, and join David Bowie and Iggy Pop, who's still on stage. They're going to get to play one more song. It can be any song by any act ever. This is quite a tough question, I imagine. Who is, or what song is going to be your, be your wrong call? Released on the 16th of June, 1978. Very specific. <laughs> First time in my life. CBS 6383. 
Oh, it's White Man and Hammersmith Palais. I'm not quite sure how Rams stay. <laughs> but, uh, it's, again, it, I must have been about 17. Um, and it's just, it, it's kind of first time I'd sit, heard like a rock band do a reggae track. Mm. Or kind of infuse the two. And then just all the, you know, this track that I've written down some lines from it, sort of like, white youth, black youth, better find another solution. And when you're younger and you're in Norwich, you don't really know much about kind of the issues that are going on, because Norwich at the time, you know, there wasn't that many black people in light. And then the whole kind of rock against racism thing that started up. And, um, you know, there was, it, it, it's kind of, it kind of enforced my, it kind of gave me my political views and got me political and got me involved in things like rock against racism. Mm. And um, you know, it was, it's it's just a great, great song, and I love it. And I mean, like this, they got Burton suits. They think it's funny turning rebellion at money, which is supposed to be about you know anti-jam and all that. Can't you know? You need keep 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 focused on what you're doing here. That's, and I just I, I I love it. It's my favourite single by Country Mark. So they got to sing that, but I probably regret it because it'll probably be terrible. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, Sam Perry <laughs> on stage and... I mean, you've got such a, an amazing lineup. I don't think they could make it terrible. Yeah. Maybe Ramsey can just, like, come up. Get the, uh, giant, get the giant penis back out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Do you know, it only ch- it peaked at 32 in the chart. Oh, really? It's a disgrace. That is a disgrace. Shows you how people, you know, musical taste rubbish. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, that white man in Hammersmith Palais is Mike's... Encore, which brings his fantasy festival to an end. I'm happy to say, Mike, I got three out of five um, predictions right. So my Where five, I had uh, Clash, Barry, Ramstein, which I got. I had Metallica, which you listed as an actually didn't yeah. make it. I thought you might sweep, sweep yeah. Metallica in there. And then I didn't have uh, an act for fifth. I just thought you'd throw a reggae artist in there. But you kind of have with your encore. What the... It's so difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Like I said, I've got a real love for like reggae and like Bonnie Whalers sings the Whalers, great album. You know, if you've not heard that, you should go out and listen to it. Uh, Lennon Quasi Johnson, Steel Pulse. Again, Steel Pulse doing things like the Ku Klux Klan when you're a kid. Well, what's the Ku Klux Klan? Again, you go out and you, you learn about it, you know, and all Misty and Roots. But all these bands used to tour around with all the punk bands and stuff. Um, I think, you know, Lots of people think Bob Marley's just legend. It's not. It's some great, great albums. And like, mm. so yeah, I, lo- I love reggae. It's just that because you're trying to narrow it down. If I, I hate you. Amazing, amazing. So let's lock your fantastical in. So you can still make any changes until we lock it in. So let's get cracking with that before you do make any changes. So you are naming your fantasy festival Gates of the West. We're doing this one in the disused airfield in King Washire, where T in the Park used to be. Opening your fantasy festival, we have the mighty Ramstein. They'll be followed in the super seconds act slot by Kraftwerk. Midway Madness slot, we've got the Clash playing their London Calling album. And in your pre-headline act, we have the mighty, phenomenal Prince. And he'll be followed in your headline act by David Bowie, who will be bringing out Iggy Pop uh, for some songs. And for the encore, they will all play White Man in Hammersmith Palais together. Mr Grant, are you happy with this? Yeah, I'm happy with that. Brilliant. That's a festival I go I would definitely be there. Would have to. It's mine. (laughs) (laughs) That is brilliant so that is it thank you for listening to the 27th episode of the fantastical podcast if you've enjoyed this please subscribe give the fantastical podcast a review on itunes if you're listening on spotify or anchor give us a follow Uh, and please remember to recommend the podcast to all of your families and friends you can also leave us a voice message if you're listening on anchor if you're on social media we are also on twitter at fantastical peace and make sure to give us a follow or if you've enjoyed the episode you can give us an email fantasticalpodcast@outlook.com. as we say every week unfortunately we can't play music on podcasts it'd be great to intersperse some music but I will get some tracks from Mike and whack them on to the podcast Spotify playlist so all it's left to say is a massive thank you to Mr Grant no one of my life ambitions accomplished <laughs> to get you on a podcast talking thank about music thank you for inviting me how did you find it? 
Yeah, it was good. I th- I... Yeah, it was brilliant. I love it. I just thought like, I could have talked for hours, but you know, maybe we'll get out. maybe we'll get you back on. <laughs> maybe we'll get you back on to do a, do another fantastical at some point. So thank you, thank Mike. So this is a bonus, uh, a bit of a bonus content where I asked Mark if he <laughs> had mentioned everything he wanted to and he said he had a story about Ricky from Kaiser Chiefs. I love stories, you love stories. So Mike, what is, what is your Ricky from Kaiser Chiefs story before so again, we get kicked out of this room? Mr. Lake, Jason, says, do you want to go and see the Cribs? Yeah, I'll go and see the Cribs. Brilliant. You know, Good band, go, yeah. Oh, like Johnny Marr, that whole yeah, kind yeah. of, absolutely brilliant. Remind me like, you know, a bit like a Ramones vibe, all that. Fantastic. Go upstairs to the VIP like lounge, you know, and we're upset. Meet Johnny Marr. Oh, pleased to meet you, amazing. By which time I'm flying, so I go to the bar and I see this bloke next to me, and I go, uh, "Oh, excuse me, mate. Did you grow up in Norwich?" And he goes, "No, nah, no, nah, I don't know, nah, mate." So you sure? Yeah, no, I'm positive, mate. I didn't. I do. And I've got Jason behind me, like cutting his hands over his eyes. Oh, what's the matter with him, anyway? You worked in HMV, didn't you? No, I've never worked in HMV, mate. I've never worked in HMV. Okay, what's your name? Ricky. What do you do? I'm the lead singer. I'm <laughs> to which Samuel went, you used to be a fat bastard, didn't you? Ruby, 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 Ruby. And then Jason had to come in. Sorry about that, Rick, because he knew him. That pulled me away from the bar. I don't think he was that amused, actually. Anyway, there you go. Bonus story. So I will be back with episode number... I think it's 28 next time. So please make sure to join me then. Until then, my fantastical friends, please stay safe. Please continue to spread the word. And that word is fantastical. Mm-hmm.